Can I, can I just ask you, maybe what might seem like a not very smart question, but, but how does that happen? We know that that's the most vulnerable population. We've, you just talked about data and information. We've known that for quite some time, and yet MDH continues to put COVID-positive people into this population. Yeah, I mean, the rationale I've heard is that, you know, people have to be cared for. So, you know, where exactly are you going to put them into care the key is if you're going to do that, somehow we we have to have them in care, which is isolated to make sure that they're not with other patients in long-term care. Because we know in Minnesota that over 80% of our deaths were in our long-term care facilities. And uh, that's not a good record. It's no. not a good record at all. Want to get your take on this, sir? Over, I think it was late last week. So we had even tied now in Moorhead finally declared they had 15, sir, 15 COVID related deaths uh, in the Moorhead facility. They're blaming the Minnesota Department of Health for lack of testing. Minnesota, Minnesota Department of Health saying, hey, look, don't point the finger at us. You guys are responsible for your own facility. Who, who should be held responsible for the high number of deaths in this facility? I'm not going to weigh in on that because I don't know enough of the, right. the facts on that on exactly. You know, I know now we're up to quite a bit of testing. I know early on Minnesota was not up on testing, but I don't think any of the states were. I mean, testing was a huge problem from the get-go, and I'm not going to assign blame right now. We know there were not enough tests. You know, what's the cause of that? I don't know, but I don't think you can just pin that uh, on the governor of the Minnesota Department of Health or long-term care facilities of the state of Minnesota. I mean, I think it was kind of nationwide, this whole problem. But I guess I need to look more as to, as these, you know, should we have prioritized long-term care and made sure those are where all the tests started? Maybe that's where a lot of them were. I don't know. But uh, needless to say, the bottom line is 80% of our deaths were long-term care facilities, yeah. which is just simply not acceptable. It's hard to stomach when people can't go see him. And you, you know what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah. So do you support an audit of what took place here? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I, I do. We need to be held accountable. Let me ask you this, sir. So the uh, president of Education Minnesota put a tweet out on Saturday. I want to read it for you and then ask you some questions about education here in Minnesota. She said, hey, we must address inequities before we open schools again. It makes no sense to reopen business as usual when we know these inequalities still exist. Have we learned nothing from COVID-19 and distance learning? Do you think schools K through 12 in Minnesota should stay closed until you guys address these quote unquote inequalities? No, I mean, should we address inequalities? Absolutely, but that shouldn't be contingent on opening our schools. and. We're gonna have enough challenges the way it is to open our schools. I'm hoping we do as a teacher myself. It's much better when students are in the classroom in front of you face to face. I'm hoping that what we get to, I think there's gonna be a new normal when we go back on, you know, as far as, you know, if you're ill, you stay home, social distancing, all those things. But no, I, I don't think, uh, you know, trying to address a problem like injustice, you know, should be contingent on opening the schools. It seems odd. It almost seems like she's saying, hey, we don't really need schools and teachers to solve this. It was just, it was just a weird, but my, my bigger question for the people that are watching right now, sir, is the fact that w where are you at with school opening this fall? I mean, are you 80% certain, 50%? Do you, do you think K through 12 is going to be open in Minnesota? 
I do. Right now, I, I think we're going to be able to open our schools. It's, as I mentioned, it's going to be a little different. I mean, you're going to have social distancing. I'm thinking about my classroom where I have got 30 students normally in my classroom, 30 desks. Well, if you're going to try to keep six feet between students, you probably get 12 in the students into that classroom. Yeah. So you're probably going to be going in shifts and it might be a combination of face-to-face -face and also some distance learning. But just the whole, you know, how you operate is gonna be a little different as it is for businesses and everyone right now, because no matter what we do, people are still concerned about this. They don't want big crowds where people are close together. I mean, till there's really a vaccine, there's still a lot of unknowns and we just can't let our guard down. We still have to stay vigilant on this. Representative Marco, I want to talk about the police reform, the defunding the police conversation. Before I do, I want to play for you a quick soundbite. Sort of in the context of this, um, Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan at one of the pressers last week said this. I want to share it with you and then ask you about it on the other side. Minnesota is a great place to live and work and raise a family if you are white. But too often, the color of your skin or the zip code where you live determines your opportunities, determines your opportunities to thrive or even survive. Representative Marquardt, your reaction to Minnesota is great if you are white. Are there inequities? Yes, there are. But I disagree with the premise of what the lieutenant governor is saying because I think she is basically saying what happened in Minneapolis through their police department represents all of law enforcement. And that simply is not the case. In fact, that's what I've been telling people over and over again, is that the actions of these four Minneapolis police officers not represent the excellent work our law enforcement does around the state and in our area. I mean, we know uh, this is a tough profession and our law enforcement go out and face risks every single day. And so, um, yes, I mean, are there injustices that we absolutely, but let's not paint this broad brush and uh, say that the, the, the police officers of Minneapolis represent our police officers around the state. It's simply not the case. Our officers provide excellent law enforcement and provide public safety. And that, you know, you, you hear this talk of defunding police departments. Well, when I was the mayor in Dilworth, our number one goal and is for the entire state should be people's safety. And the police department was the largest part of the budget in the city of Dilworth as it should be. And so um, I just shake my head when people talk about the funding our police departments. All right, you, you've kind of answered in some of those questions I was gonna get to, but, but I do wanna bring this up, sir. And you're Democrats, so why don't you to speak to this where I just told you about what the teacher said there, but hey, we shouldn't reopen until we address these inequalities. You've got a woman, your Lieutenant Governor now saying, hey, um, this, play, this state is great if you're white. Democrats have been in power in your state for quite some time. So why aren't they addressing these issues if they're so pervasive? Well, I think they're difficult issues and I, and I think they have been. And uh, it, it's, I mean, we know, we know it's out there, but it's, you, you just can't do one thing and kind of take care of things that, you know, have gone on for a long time. But, um, you know, is the state of Minnesota perfect? No, no one's perfect, but I would not want to live or represent constituents in any other state uh, than the state of Minnesota. And, you know, we've been in kind of the forefront nationally in not a good way, but, you know, Minnesota values and what 
things that we work for. We come together when we have disasters and tragedies and so forth, and we'll be a stronger state because of that. But we just have to step back, take a look and say, hey, okay, are there some things we need to fix? Yes, but this is an excellent state. We're moving in the right direction. We can't lose sight of that. Couple more things here I want to address. People have been uh, sending me messages. They want to get your reaction to what took place on the Capitol grounds with the Christopher Columbus statue. Quickly again, Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan says, hey, I can't say I'm sad the statue of Christopher Columbus is gone, period. She says, I'm not. I guess my question for you is, is, is nothing happened. Like people knew this was going to take place. Apparently they spoke to a security officer. He sort of stepped, he or she stepped aside. Tim Wallace said last week, Governor Wallace, that there were going to be consequences for vandalism on public property, and I haven't heard anybody being charged. What's going on? Well, a couple things. I mean, number one, I understand where Native Americans would be concerned with some of the actions. I understand that. But what happened on the grounds of the Capitol was an unlawful act. It's not a way to do things. It's proper ways in which you can, can do that. My understanding is that people were charged, um, not that day, but later on. And so uh, that was a difficult, I think it was the state patrol that was, the Minnesota State Patrol was out there. And I think their actions were probably appropriate. Here's why I say that, is that first of all, I don't know if you can arrest someone before they commit a crime. And once it was brought down, just considering what is occurring right at this time, knowing that who this person was, that you can arrest them the next day, uh, that I don't know making a big scene would have been the right thing to do on that day. And so uh, I, I think what I, as far as I know, people were charged as they should be. Okay. But again, we should not be condoning, as I think the lieutenant governor was, an illegal act. Representative Marquardt, we always appreciate you coming on and thank you for your time. Sure, we appreciate it. You bet. Thank you, Chris. All right, let's stick around. We've got a lot of great points of view, your points of view, coming up right after this. As always, please share your point of view with us, what you heard there from Representative Paul Marquardt out of Minnesota. <laughs> a lot going on in that state right now. You can email us, text us, leave us a voicemail. We'll be right back.